0: Welcome to Learned Lag, a podcast about yesterday's Learned League questions and answers. I'm
1: Amanda. And I'm George. I'm in Zephyr A, and Amanda's in Zephyr B. This is Season 27 for me, and Season 23 for Amanda. And this is Day 17 of Season 95.
0: Our first question describes a game that seems to involve farming and the way in which a family builds its life and uh, uh, farm uh, stuff, and we are asked to name it.
1: Uh, this is Agricola. Mm. It's one of the more famous uh, board games in the hobby board gaming sphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have played it once, and I bounced off of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, but I, I know that it's it's the farming board game, and there are a lot of similar ish farming board games, and they they they're all kind of compared to Agricola.
0: Yeah. So my first instinct with with a game at all that sounds at all like this is that it's some sort of Catan um, variation but I thought that didn't sound right in terms of the name translating uh, to farmer in English Um, and so it took me a while to kind of think do I know how to say farmer in French do I know how (laughs) to say it in Spanish and I don't really Um, and so I thought well maybe I need to you know think farther afield than that. And I th- i think I just let the question kind of settle in my brain long enough that the idea of the agra prefix um, might be the thing that really gives it away, just because it shouldn't, you know, sometimes questions depend on knowing a specific word in a specific language. But I thought this one sounded more like it sounded familiar enough that I was like, This is one I definitely know. I should just be kind of thinking through like what sounds farm like when I think of game titles Um, and and not quite consciously doing that. Agricola kind of popped to mind. I was like, does that mean farmer? It seems like it could because because of the, you know, that prefix. And so, you know, kind of it sounds like a better option than Catan. So I guess that's what I'll put down.
1: That was correct. Well done. Yay. Question two asks us for the term used for students at the Naval Academy.
0: Yeah, this one, I don't know why um, I I couldn't pull it because I have definitely heard, you know, spoiler alert with the the answer that it actually is. Um, But initially I thought it had something to do with sailor or sailing or... You know, I thought about CB because I, I don't know exactly what that means, but I know it's sort of naval. Um, and finally, I went with seaman um, just because I thought, you know, I what would be a rank that's used for people in that training phase? You know, like I know things, terms like cadet or whatever, um, you know, would apply to different branches of the service. Um, you know, I thought about plebe, but that isn't the right, you know... Um, denotation or whatever either. Um, So, seaman was as close as I was going to get to this one. Uh,
1: Seaman is, in fact, the lowest naval rank. Okay. Uh, It's the equivalent of private. Uh
0: Uh-huh.
1: Or like... um, At
0: least I got a rank in there. That's not too bad.
1: Yeah. Uh, CB refers to construction, uh, naval construction people. It's a contraction of construction battalion. Oh. Excuse me. Uh, Which is the unit that those people are in. Interesting, um, but th- this is midshipman. Ah. It is the equivalent of cadet. Cadet is used in the uh, at the military academy and at the Air Force Academy. Okay, um, but midshipman is the the term, mm-hmm. uh, and I'm sure it comes from some old naval tradition of you know that's where they stood on the ship <laughs> or where they bunked or whatever. But sure. it's just it's it's what they're called now.
0: Okay. And that was the correct answer, of course. <laughs> um, and I I realized after the fact that I this is what their, uh, you know, college equivalent football team their is, is called. Teams, yes. It's the Navy midshipmen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still, even thinking of that, I don't think I would have necessarily made the full mm-hmm. link to, oh, that's a rank that someone right. has. Yeah. I thought that was like the mascot.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that... Uh, wouldn't necessarily have led you to it just if you'd kind of puzzled it out. Because, like, even when you asked me that earlier, uh, I, I had to think, of, like, I think they're not the mid. I don't think that's their athletic mascot. <laughs> because I know in the the, the Army, uh, athlete, the West Point athletic mascot is the Black Knights. Mm-hmm. and the Air Force, it's the Falcons. Right. But, of course, the Army's athletic mascot used to be the Cadets. Uh-huh. That was their team name before there was an Air Force Academy because Air Force Academy is also cadets. Oh, okay. So they kind of both had to decide, oh, we got to find something else. And the Navy just said, eh, we're going to stick with midshipmen. We're good. All right. Probably because their their actual mascot is a goat. <laughs> uh,
0: question three asks us about uh, the name of an artist whose painting was referenced in Micheline Thomas's bold painting called... Le déjeuner sur l'herbe, Les le Trois Femmes Noires. I'm sure try- I'm butchering that French, but it's mm-hmm. the best I can do. Um, and so, so what we we're asked to name what artist that painting is referring to?
1: So I didn't know. I didn't know this. I, I'm sure mm-hmm. that just le déjeuner sur l'herbe is uh, a diff- direct reference to the actual painting, but I didn't recognize it. But then I figured the the subtitle. Les Trois Femmes Noires, three the three black women mm-hmm. was probably a riff on the you know a, a similar subtitle of the other and probably subject of this previous painting. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, maybe what it's uh, what it's riffing off of is, hey, look at these exotic naked women, mm-hmm. and who painted exotic naked women in French in the nineteenth <laughs> century? That sounds like Paul Gauguin.
0: It does, rather.
1: Who, who went to, famously went to French Polynesia and discovered his love of exotic mm. uh, women, right. we shall say. Right, And so I figured, okay, let's go with Gauguin.
0: Yeah, I knew that this one would be um, riffing on something like that as well. And I thought if the painting was from 1863, then it definitely was kind of in that impressionist um heyday that you know that brings to mind monet Manet, renoir and, and and a number of others um and for whatever reason renoir is the one that that seemed likeliest to me i feel like there's at least one painting of his that i've seen that is just uh people are kind of lolling around near or like a riverbank and they're just kind of out of nowhere there's a naked lady too which you know gives you kind of a that that's the kind of thing I picture being parodied here is mm-hmm. just that that weird you know out of place objectification, um, and so that's what I went with. I didn't really think you know much harder beyond that. Um, I thought it's probably not Monet. I've seen a lot of his work, and it's less like that. It's more focused on nature and scenery and and less on the people in the scenes, generally okay. speaking. Mm-hmm. Um, and Monet, I just don't know much about. Yeah. So Renoir, it was.
1: Uh, it was Edouard Monet. Right. Okay. Who I know only in in the sense of he's not Monet. Uh-huh. He's not the one who does all the, all the nature stuff. So. Right. So, oh well. Yep. Question four asks us what two-word term... Was given in a speech at Westminster College in nineteen forty-six, saying, "From Stettin in the Baltic to Trieste in the Adriatic, a blank has descended across the continent."
0: This one I thought was easily the easiest question of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, this was when the Iron Curtain phrase was coined. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talking about the the kind of Cold War uh, emerging and the, this um, divide between um, the communist countries and the Western, you know, democracies or whatever. Um, and yeah, I didn't consider any other possible option. I thought this is that, you know, the Baltic to the Adriatic describes very well that border between kind of Western and Eastern Europe. And so I put down iron curtain without even really thinking very much about it.
1: Uh, yeah, this is one of those things that every now and then I'm reminded that uh, Churchill gave this speech in Missouri. And he's just <laughs> like, yep. wait, what? Right, <laughs> like, right. Oh, okay, yeah, I guess. Um, sure. But yeah, this was, this was, as I was reading the quote, I was like, oh, this is the Iron Curtain thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep, two-word term, yep. Speech given in Missouri's West Yep, 1946. Absolutely. Okay, yes, this is the Iron Curtain.
0: And that was the correct answer. Question five asks us, uh, who is the author of a book called It Ends With Us, which was published in 2016, noting that she has, or that, I'm not sure if it says she, it does not. It specifies an author who has many bestsellers and at one point in in this year held six of the top 10 spots on the New York Times paperback list. Uh,
1: Yeah, so my first thought was, oh, this is James Patterson, right? Because James Mm. Patterson's name's on everything. But then I thought, No. No, wait, that was a while ago. I feel like James Patterson isn't writing everything these days. Other people are allowed Mm -hmm. to write stuff. Um, And then I remembered a story I read last month, thereabouts, sometime within the last two months, about uh, BookTok, Ah. which is a corner of TikTok that is all about books. And uh, in particular about how it's driving tremendous sales. Ah, in the in the book world, uh, and how it skews very 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 white woman, <laughs> um, and is uh, it, it didn't really describe like how that influences the books and and the genre and the selection thereof. It it, it kind of gave the uh, a, a sort of the, the article was I don't want to say dismissive, but it was sort of indicative that you know these are. Not necessarily your highfalutin literary books mm. for good or ill. Right. Um, and you know, maybe not necessarily YA or romance, but very inflected of those things. Okay. Um, and it, part of the, the story talked about this one author who, out of nowhere, was all over book talk, and that had translated to a truly obscene amount of sales. Uh, mm-hmm. Pointing out that she had literally outsold the Bible last year. <laughs> um,
0: In fairness, everyone's got a Bible, and it's online.
1: Yeah, but there's always <laughs> hotels going up. Oh, so fair. There's more. Good point, you know, there's good always point. more of them needed. But yeah, and uh, and remember, like three days ago when I said about the tennis player. Hey, I remember Mm -hmm. when I remember thinking this is going to be a question (laughs) and I should remember it. Well, apparently I can do that if the name is sticky enough in other ways. Ah. And this particular one, I remember reading this article thinking, oh, I'm going to have to remember this name. Thank goodness. It is the same as the elementary school that is at the end of our block and to which one of our children went to for a year, kind of because it was the pandemic and she actually never actually went to the school. That school is named after Herbert Hoover. This author is named Hoover. I couldn't have given you her first name if you gave me a hundred tries, but I remembered (laughs) that it was Hoover.
0: So before today, I had known absolutely nothing about any of that, anything about this author at all, uh, as it turns out. And I, you know, the, the name of the, so I was just kind of scrambling around for like What am I going to put down for this answer? Because I I don't know what this is, unless it's someone who's already so famous that they're always going to be selling tons and tons of paperback books. Reasonable. Um, And I thought the title, It Ends With Us, sounded just ominous enough that it could be a horror writer. (laughs) Um, sure. And so I ended up thinking of Stephen King Mm -hmm. because he's a ginormous seller of books, you Mm -hmm. know, all the time. And I thought maybe he had something out in 2022 that, you know, made everybody go buy his back catalog or, you know, like I, I probably would have heard something about that, but I was just kind of rationalizing Mm -hmm. this, this one single guess that I had that sounded plausible. Um, so I put down King,
1: but it was Colleen Hoover.
0: Right. And the uh, epilogue Mm -hmm. to this question is, you know, later today, after I had submitted the the um, answers and and so on, uh, I got a notification from my uh, Barnes and Noble Nook app, not an endorsement, just a fact, that um, was for like free book Friday. And so I was like, okay, I could I kind of like to have something on on the app for when I can't take a book somewhere. Um, and so I looked on there and lo and behold, one of the things you can get for free is one of Colleen Hoover's novellas. Um, it is called, the one that I got is called, uh, Finding Cinderella. Okay. So that already gives you a little bit of a flavor of, you know, the, the type of story that it might be. Um, and I can see why it is that popular. (laughs) I read the whole thing in an afternoon, um, you know literally since we you know chatted about the questions a little earlier today i think going to the bus stop mm-hmm. and got it after that and wow. ripped through it <laughs> i'm saying wow it's it's like very you know sort of propulsively written compulsively readable it has a lot of flair for drama and romance although this was it was it, it's like that um There's a genre that's like one age notch up from YA that is called new adult Okay. that is like for, you know, college age people, let's say. So um, that's what I would say. It's kind of right on that line between those two. At least this novella was because the protagonist is an 18 year old boy um, and, you know, talks about him falling in love with this girl. And, you know, lots of drama ensues. Um, almost to a Dickensian sort of like, what's the worst possible consequence that this particular weird circumstance could precipitate? Okay, we're going to make that the plot. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also liked the characters as written. I thought they were, the dialogue was, you know, fun. Mm -hmm. Um, It was definitely occasionally... um, a little ways past my suspension of disbelief as far as what teenagers actually talk like. Oh, sure. But on the other hand, I was raised on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> so, you know, I, I can tolerate that for a while. Um, so uh, I enjoyed it. I don't know that I will necessarily seek it out if there's another free one, you know, I'll put it on the the uh, Nook app and, um, or whatever app. I have like three different book reading apps on my iPad. Anyway, um, now I will never forget this answer. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that, that was kind of actually an entertaining uh, follow-up mm-hmm. for me.
1: Uh, Hoover uh, currently has the number one, uh, I believe, fiction uh, uh, book on the New York Times list with It Starts With Us.
0: Right, Yeah. right.
1: Which I... Uh, discovered thanks to a pop culture tri- uh, current events trivia newsletter mm-hmm. that I subscribe to.
0: Oh, okay. uh, that oh yeah. I,
1: that I got one of today. And <laughs> I always, I always have to make sure to not open that until after I've right. answered the questions. Because, and especially today, like I was, mm-hmm. uh, I looked at I, as soon as I saw this one, I thought, oh, I'm not going to be able to look at that newsletter today, am I? Yeah. Uh, but I finally did, and she's still there. So I, I, I oh, didn't yeah. realize that. Uh, she had been publishing since 2016. Yes, because I, I was under the impression that she was very new uh, to publishing at all, and had just oh sp- uh, spiked up the charts out of nowhere. Kind but of. I kind mean, of less those, than 10 years, yeah, I would say. Yeah, not um, not a not an overnight success, but not a 20 years until overnight success either.
0: Yeah, so. and I should say, you know, the the novella came with kind of like. A little bio or auto bio mm. that she had written as an introduction to it, which described how she, in fact, married her high school sweetheart, had three kids in fairly quick su- succession and had kind of given up on her writerly dreams mm. um, until she had to rearrange her fairly constrained life. Like her husband was a long haul trucker mm. and she I forget what her job was at the time, but, you know she's parent single parenting effectively three kids and her eight-year-old got a big role in a play at school Hmm. and she was like i don't you know i'm gonna have to make this work so that he can do this thing he's so excited about and you know so she would be there for you know sitting through these three-hour rehearsal sessions Hmm. um and talked about how you know I don't want to be that person who set aside all my dreams for other people. I should show my kids the example of, of going forth and, you know, living my dream because I'm, you know, enabling it for my kid and I deserve that as well. Hmm. Um, and so they, you know, she's went from, you know, living, living in a literal trailer with three kids, um, And, you know, from it's very rags to riches um, kind of story. You know, she started writing and people just started liking it and asking her for more. The novella in question um, was something that she had written as like an online, you know, an e-book only kind Mm -hmm. of thing. And apparently lots of fans asked if she would get it published as a real book so that they could have a copy on their shelves. And, um, and so I, you know, she was definitely very, uh, grateful and delighted and amazed at all the success that it's oh. generated. And,
1: um, I thought that was kind of a neat story. Cool. Question six. Uh, I have to admit, informed me uh, <laughs> that Amy Heckerling, uh, directed and, co-produced a film series that started in 1989 and featured the voice of bruce willis
0: yes um this one took me a little a little bit of uh finagling to figure out uh because i had to think about you know 1989 first of all should be absolutely my wheelhouse as far as remembering movies um that's you know i was in high school movies were the thing, you know, that you kind of went and did uh for fun. And it kind of like there was a certain agelessness to pop culture back then. It sometimes felt like where I would go see movies like, you know, sort of tangentially related to this like um what was the one with Diane Keaton where she becomes a single mother after being a high-powered businesswoman? Baby Boom, I believe. Baby Boom. Yes, like like I, as a teenager, would go see that with my parents in the theater. <laughs> I want you to kind of imagine that as like a pop culture phenomenon. I have all kinds of riffs about classic rock, too. So that that'll be for a later time. Um, but, you know, so I, I was thinking, OK, I definitely would know this movie from this era. Um, and what would be a movie that Bruce Willis would be voicing a character in? You know, would it be an animated movie? Like, it was too early for all the Pixar-type things. It was... You know, those kinds of things weren't um, the kind of thing you hire Bruce Willis for at the time. Um, and so the next thing that came to mind is, like, well... Then he was voicing some character, probably in a live-action way. And the movie that came to mind was uh, Three Men and a Baby. And I don't know why, like, the... This was this is like the evolution of my response, uh-huh, mind uh-huh. you, because three men and a baby didn't have a talking baby in it. I believe you're right. <laughs> um, had ghosts, much less,
1: but not a talking baby.
0: Much less voiced by Bruce Willis, because the mm-hmm. follow-up to three men and a baby was three men and a little lady. So it really took me kind of all too long on my morning walk to do that math to be like, <laughs> they wouldn't have just like discovered suddenly that it was a girl baby that was involved <laughs> in the plot um and so i was like oh no it's a different movie that i'm thinking of it's it's definitely where bruce willis voiced a baby but that's look who's talking that's the one i was trying to you know that's what i was trying to get out of my head um and and came through garbled as three men and a baby for a while there um probably because there's you know kind of uh leading man you know stars in that movie as well, so it kind of got mixed, it got some signals crossed in there. Um Anyway, I did remember that. Look who's talking! Definitely had a couple of sequels. I want to say Kirsty Alley was in that as well. I can't remember if she was the mom or one of the babies in the sequels. I don't remember. Um,
1: she was, I believe, the mom because Roseanne Barr was. Oh yes, the other the the younger baby.
0: Yes, thank you. That's that's right um and so once that kind of finally fell into place for me i was i was very certain that it was look who's talking
1: uh, whereas i for some reason as soon as i saw voice of bruce willis <laughs> bam oh that's that was look who's talking sure a movie that i have not seen since probably 1989 possibly mm-hmm. 1990 if it was, sure. was on video or sure. some such and have not thought about since then. I don't believe uh-huh. I saw uh-huh. any of the sequels. I had no idea that Amy Heckerling, uh, who made some truly great movies in the 80s, oh, was yes. also involved in this. Sure, But yeah, 1989, Voice of Bruce Willis, there was a series. Mm-hmm. It had mm-hmm. to be Look Who's Talking.
0: And that was the correct answer. Huh. And I, the thing that I most remember, you know, in looking back at this movie was... Um, the fact that i believe it began with um an animation or or what have you of sperm going uh-huh, through uh-huh. um you know like a uterus or whatever uh-huh. to to try to the find and meat yeah, yeah uh-huh. meet up with the egg and you know that that was funny but also very embarrassing uh-huh. um to which do a movie which again i definitely probably watched with my parents like in theater and or on vhs yep um and so (laughs) probably both because that's kind of a thing that happened a lot um with the the video stores oftentimes you've seen things or you Mm -hmm. remember liking them you want to see it again um yes so that indeed was look who's talking and look who's talking right now. They were just gabbing away. <laughs> um, I, I ended up with only three on the day, um, uh, which I don't know. I, I don't think I'd have a chance to have grabbed the other ones. I could have coin flipped better on Monet, I guess. But um, yeah, it just kind of was not not quite on kilter for me.
1: Yeah. That happens.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I had five. Very nice. Which I, So I, I just kind of figured, you know, given the the, the week I've had, Mm. Um, I think I'm one and three, maybe th- zero three and one this week. Okay, before today, just um, I, I figured, oh, <laughs> it must have been an easy week or an easy day. Um, yeah. But then you no, and necessarily... other people have been uh, have been posting middle of the road scores, so yeah, maybe I'll pull one out and, and possibly just. I mean, the, I I don't I, I don't know know that I would have normally gotten Hoover. If I hadn't mm. stumbled upon that particular story a while back. Sure. Uh, and if it hadn't been the name of the elementary school. So that one I definitely would have given me more points on. So okay. here's hoping. Um, but the art question, art is a uh, yeah. pitiful category for me. So I'm almost guaranteed six points today.
0: That's what I would unfortunately guess yeah. as well. That's yeah, well, what I'd put the three on for you.
1: Hope I defended well.
0: I hope so too. And hey, you got a tie out of yesterday. Yeah. That's a good deal. Yeah. So, uh, I guess that's it for today then. Yep. Tune in on Tuesday for more post-game analysis. And remember. Don't forfeit. Don't cheat.